most in the next four games. Former BYU basketball sharpshooter JT for three. Jonathan Tavernari joins us from Italy. What advice does he have for the team and the fans with high expectations? Cannot wait for that. Plus, Jeff Judkins on why he's not a fan of the new conference scheduling and how he made a bucket list dream for one of his former players come true. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, live from Studio B, your hosts, Jason Shepard and Brian Logan. Oh, wait, it's Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. Listen, (laughs) who did that? I know that was purposeful, and that hurts. That hurts in my heart, When I heard, heard, I'm like, when I heard my name first, I'm like, this is not going the right direction. <laughs> I will find you, and I will verbally assault you. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, January 18th, wherever and however you're dialed in, it's great to have you with us. Indeed, my name is Spencer Linton. <laughs> Spencer here. That's his name. Teamed up with unnecessary countdown mm. proponent, Jason Shepard. And by unnecessary, you mean absolutely necessary. Oh, my goodness. Come on! We voted on election day. The fans spoke. The democracy spoke. No to the countdown, right? Well, it's a good thing that the Electoral College <laughs> is what ultimately is going to win out on this. Oh, we're so- Because the Electoral College won, and <laughs> they want the countdown. We figured it out. Like, each state <laughs> yes. and how many Electoral yes. College yes. votes they have. I- we're not going to let California decide everything, okay? <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm glad that you got the memo. It is sweater day, sweater on, day. The, on the program today. Sweater Our producer, weather. Ben Bagley,'s got the sweater today. Yeah. Very cozy show. Well, in honor of Brian Logan, we had to do that, right? <laughs> we put his name on the show for crying out loud. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU men's hoops will host Pepperdine tomorrow, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The team has media availability today. That means you will hear from the coach and some players. BYU currently 62nd in ESPN's Basketball Power Index and 69th in the Ken Palm Rankings. And I know some of you are thinking, how are they that high after losses to Utah Valley and San Diego? Well, I'm here to tell you oh, oh, yes. that the Sagarin ratings and the RPI Wizard are very much in favor of BYU. You will not believe what one win against St. Zaga will do for BYU's NCAA tournament chances. Not two, not three, but one. Stay tuned for that. My entire outlook on BYU basketball changed with this one stat that you gave me. Unreal. It is fantastic. Number three, men's volleyball travels to number 14, CSUN. And yes, you must call them CSUN to begin conference play. Matches begin tomorrow and Friday. BYU has won the past 11 meetings versus CSUN. Domination in the Matadome. BYU women's hoops heading to Malibu, rough life, to face Pepperdine (laughs) tomorrow night, 10 Eastern. Coach Jeff Judkins on the show today. He'll tell us how he helped make a former player's bucket list wish come true and why he's not a fan of the new conference scheduling and the way that they have to travel. Yeah, I don't think he's alone in that either, Mm. by the way. Okay. Uh, BYU gymnast Shannon Hortman earned Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference Gymnast of the Week for the second straight week. Hortman, as a freshman, recorded a conference best 9.850 on vault versus Utah. Yeah, she's legit. To the point where the Utah coaches were complimentary of her, okay? As a freshman, 
So good for Shannon. Congratulations. And a rise and shout for all of you. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Onward, ever onward. BYU basketball, onward and hopefully upward. That's the plan, right? After one of the more disappointing losses in the Dave Rose era at San Diego last Saturday. Good news, BYU's next game happens on their home floor where they've been very good, other than the UVU head-scratcher. Bad news, the Cougars have to go back on the road on Friday, where things have not gone very well. But that doesn't mean things can't and won't change, right? Which brings us to our Twitter question. Where do you expect BYU basketball to improve the most before facing Gonzaga? Four games before the Zags come to Provo. Yeah, and here are the games. You've got home versus Pepperdine Thursday night. At Pacific on Saturday. Tricky game. Yes. Then you're back out on the road at Santa Clara on the 26th. Another tricky game. And then home for LMU on the 28th. I know some of you are thinking, what are you talking about? Okay, at Pacific, that's the worst lit gym in the entire West Coast Conference. Okay, it's like a dungeon for real. And BYU has not played well on the road. That's in the back of their minds. So how can they respond after that setback against San Diego? And then Santa Clara... You're thinking, BYU crushed them, and they haven't ever lost them. They have a player back in the lineup that has helped them win some big games, and he did not play against BYU. So that will be a different team on their home floor. Yes, it, it, is, not, it is not going to be easy, as we've seen to this point. But, I mean, I have no problem saying, and I think most people would agree, we all anticipate BYU winning these next four games heading into the Gonzaga game. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody that would disagree with that. Respond after that loss, right? Absolutely. Our first tweet comes from at 86 Wisconsin Coog. Better improved D, keeping in front of opponent, reducing need for weak side help, and the frantic chasing which exposes open three-point shots. That's what he expects to see improve. Mm, Okay. That's a lot there. The three-point shooting has been very good for teams against BYU in their home gyms. We'll get into the dynamics and the specifics of that in just a moment. The number one thing I am expecting BYU to improve the most before facing Gonzaga is better overall play on the road, notably against Pacific and Santa Clara. While those are tricky games, I think because of the San Diego loss, this has been a hard reset for this BYU team and a reality check. So I expect better overall play on the road, not just defensively, but better shooting as well. Coach Steve Cleveland brought his hot takes to BYUSN on Monday. We played this for you yesterday. It's so good, I want to bring it back again. The words of Dave Rose, as explained by Steve Cleveland. And so I think as fans, we read and we get excited and we start sensing and talking about things. But at the end of the day, this is a really good basketball team. They're not a great basketball team yet. Until they can learn how to play on the road and play with poise, play from composure, not make silly mistakes, which are the words of Coach Rose in his postgame conference. Those are his words, not mine. When they learn to defend and do the thing, little things that they have to do, they'll get better. They have been challenged yeah. by their coach. They have been called out. The call to arms to get better, right? I expect BYU to take that challenge to limit some of those silly mistakes they've been making on the road and to have better overall play away from the Marriott Center. And that's where a guy like LJ Rose and a guy like Nick Emery even can step in and say, look, we've played on the road. We've played in hostile environments. This isn't your normal hostile environment in the West Coast Conference other than Gonzaga and St. Mary's, right? Right. 
So you've got to dig down deep inside, create that energy within the own t- your own team, and get ready. And so I think BYU will look heavily to senior LJ Rose because he helped them get back on track after the Utah Valley game. Well, they have the players. It's, this is not a talent issue. This is a very talented team. You know, the, the concept of being young and not playing at this level together. I mean, I understand people say, well, they played X number of games. They, they shouldn't be young. Well, it takes time. It, it, it were, it's, it's going to happen at the, the speed that it takes. I mean, it, it's, we can't force it. It's going to happen when but it the happens. the freshmen at Duke and Kentucky, yeah. Jason, they don't – it's Duke and Kentucky. They're not going on two-year mission trips, okay, <laughs> because that's such an advantage, right? Don't – stop. Just stop. BYU is unique in and of itself with young players, yes. most of them coming off of missions. See, this is where I expect to see this team improve over the next four games. For me, number one, balance, more balanced scoring. Okay. We, we, know the, we know the players who are scoring for BYU and their averages. We know how good Eric Meek has been and averaging 20-plus and, and, and that. But I, I think the, the fluctuation of having a, you know, some of the other players having a 25-point game and then following it up with a 7-point, I, I think you start to see that start to balance itself out, and everybody gets a little bit closer to their averages. And I think a lot of that just comes with more games. I mean, you just start to feel much more comfortable, and you're, you're playing against teams that it, you should beat. So I, I think that's one thing you'll start to see more balanced scoring. One thing that's really hurt BYU in these losses is they will go in the scoring drought, which leads then the other team to go on like a, a 13-0 run or a 15-5 run, and I, I think that that will improve, where you won't see these extended runs by the opposition. So limiting the runs. you li- okay. you got to limit the runs. And then perimeter defense. Right now, BYU is giving up 31% three-point field goal percentage for the season. But in the losses, in just a couple, I just picked four. Okay. you got a percentage of 39. You have a percentage of 49, 36, and 38. So clearly in these losses, the perimeter defense is suffering. So I expect that to be tightened up a little bit. Okay, well, while we're on the topic of averages and percentages and defending opponents from the three-point line, let's whip out our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Talk about home versus road advantage. BYU opponents are shooting an average of 15% worse per game when they play at the Marriott Center. So when teams come into Provo, an average of 35%? On the Cougars' home floor, yet they are shooting 50% on their home floors. That makes a difference. Yeah, I would say it makes a huge difference. BYU shooting 53% on their home floor compared to 10% worse. They're shooting 43% in opponent gyms. So if opponents are shooting 50% in their home floors and BYU comes in at 43% clip, that's a problem, right? Nobody wants to hear youth used as an excuse. Or maybe you take the word excuse out or just as a reason for things. But what is the one thing you always hear about young teams, whether it's young teams in college, whether it's young teams in high school, or even in the pros? What do they struggle with? They struggle winning on the road. you got to learn to play you on the road. You have to learn to play on the road. It just comes with more games. BYU, neutral side against USC, loss. BYU, neutral side, Illinois, 
these are de facto road games right. because one was in Chicago and the other was Staples Center in Los Angeles. Okay, so relative home games for these teams. They they lost both those neutral site games. They've played three true road games at St. Mary's, loss. At San Diego, loss. At LMU, down by 18. Yes. Had a remarkable comeback yep, to survive finish. that one. Okay, so yes, young teams have to learn how to play on the road because they haven't been in those environments other than Nick Emery, right? Who else on the BYU basketball team has significant playing time in the West Coast Conference road gyms? Tell me. Yeah, there we go. It's, we'll, it, we'll wait. It's, it's Nick Emery. Wait. Who, who else? Significant playing time in those gyms. Eric Mika, yes, but he's coming off of a two-year yes. absence, right? It's a trip. Mission trip. But he, he's still been pretty good on the road, okay? The point is, young teams, it takes time. So, I expect the Cougars to answer the challenge and get not drastically better, but to make steady improvement in their road pl- in their road games. All right, I want you to drop some knowledge about what one game can make in terms of a difference. Okay, listen, this is listen fantastic. To this. this is based on the Jeff Sagarin ratings, which are respected nationally and factor heavily into rating college basketball teams. Okay, RPIForecast.com allows you to determine the results of all remaining games. They, they plug in what has happened, obviously, because that's set in stone. And then they allow you to adjust wins or losses for the rest of the games. So just for fun, I went in and thought, okay, let's see where BYU's RPI would be if they won the rest of the games against non-Saint Zaga, which I know is a stretch because they just lost to San Diego and they lost to Utah Valley, but just for fun. And then they lose both games to Gonzaga, but they beat St. Mary's at home. Okay, one so one St. Zaga. So win. do every so win the games you're supposed to win. Yes, and then lose both to Gonzaga, win the one remaining regular season or conference game at home against St. Mary's. Their RPI projected at thirty eight. Thirty eight with one win. Against St. Mary's and beating the rest of the teams, the Cougars will be favored against losing to Gonzaga twice. And what's your goal to get into the tournament? You probably want to be top 40, right? Yes. Last time I checked, right? 38 was top 40. I had to do it three different times to make sure that it was real. Coming up, Jeff Judkins tells us about his experience with a former BYU player. But first, it's Jonathan Tavernari from Italy. Epic interview. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The conversation rolling right now on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. When you reply, use the hashtag BYUSN. Men's Hoops back at it tomorrow night at the Marriott Center. They'll be hosting Pepperdine. You can catch the Cougars and Waves 9 p.m. Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Our Twitter question today focusing on BYU men's hoops. Where do you expect BYU basketball to improve the most before facing Gonzaga? Four more games. At CL underscore living says steals, turnovers, and fast break points. Hashtag the best offense is a good defense. I disagree with that. The best offense is a really good offense. Mm, Yeah. Yep. Really good offense. (laughs) Joining us now to weigh in on that and much more is Jonathan Tavernari from Italy on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. JT, it's always a pleasure, my friend. It's been too long. How are you? I'm good, fellas. I appreciate you guys having me in. 
Hey, How's wh- everybody going over there? Hey, we're we're good, no man. No complaints. We're feeling good. Um, I don't know if we're at the level of you know you playing professional basketball in Italy, but uh, we're doing pretty well. And and while we're on that topic, what what is the best part of playing basketball overseas for you? Being able to get a paycheck for shooting three pointers. <laughs> <laughs> And doesn't and, and, no, and no matter how how many of those I take that are out of out of you know out of order or you know are just you know they're kind of not in sync with the offense and you know shoot before or shoot after you know my checks still keep coming so that's the best part. <laughs> I kind of thought you may say the food. How's the food over there? I mean, food is good. You know, I my dad is half Italian. My dad is Italian, so I'm half Italian. So I've been. I grew up around the culture my whole life. You know, mom's a great cook and, you know, always grew up eating the dishes of my, uh, you know, of where my, where the Tavanari family hails from, you know, which is kind of like polenta. It's kind of a doughy type of mashed potatoes, you know, with sausage and that kind of stuff. So I, I grew up around the culture, you know, I, I spoke Italian before I got here. So, um, you know, it's, it's second home for me. You know, it's, you know, I know I say that Utah is my second home, but, you know, I've been here for almost a decade now. So it's, it's getting pretty comfortable as well. Very cool. Jonathan Tavernari joining us from Italy. We'll talk uh, specifically some more about what you're doing with basketball in just a bit, but it's clear that you're very passionate about BYU basketball. Since you have left, you have followed the Cougars very closely and the head coach, Dave Rose. What are your thoughts on what BYU basketball is doing this year, the youngest team that Dave Rose has ever coached? I mean, you just answered the question. You just answered my, my question for me. You know, I think that this is the youngest team that the coach has ever had. And also, um, I mean, you guys have been following with the media a little bit more than I have. You know, I, I had a more of an inside presence, more of a, you know, BYU basketball is like, it's, it's like a sibling from his family. Um, you guys know how hype, you know, the, the, the three kids from Lone Peak, you know, have been. I mean, even from the time that I was there as a freshman, we've been going over there, um, you know, to Alpine to see them play in high school, in the middle school, play in the high school. I mean, when we were recruiting Tyler, we were talking to TJ and, and all kind of stuff. And so fans have been waiting for this moment for so long. And now it's here. And, you know, they, everybody has been, you know, picturing times where Danny Ainge was in, in, in Provo or, you know, Jimmer's senior year and that kind of stuff. But people don't realize that for you to get at that point, it takes time and takes experience. I mean, you know, let's pretend, let's, you know, I mean, you guys know that, you know, Jimmer and I are very good friends. You know, Jim, Jimmer and I are very close, but let's throw Jim under the bus a little bit. How do you, I mean, you guys remember Jimmer's freshman and sophomore year, except with the game at Wake Forest, he really ha- didn't do a whole lot. Yeah. And so would it be fair for us to throw Jimmer under the bus for those two years? No. He was lucky that he had Trent, Lee, myself, um, Sam Burgess, Ben Murdoch, and other guys that could take the heat for him until he was ready. And these guys don't have that luxury. You know, I, people will say, well, you know, you talk about yourself a lot. Well, I put up three banners at BYU. I never lost a bad – I probably lost one bad game. And I finished in the top 25 all four years. And when I graduated, nobody had won more games than I did. So I think I got the, I, I, I got the right to talk a little bit. And I had the luxury to have Keeney Young ahead of me. We're talking about an All-American player, uh, a guy that was the player of the year in the conference, and so I, when I made a mistake and Coach Rose put me in for KT, my mistake was, okay, well, KT, let's get back in. These guys don't have that luxury. They had, they're learning on the go. And then people can circle back like, well, but what about Nick Emery? So what, Nick Emery? 18 months ago, dude was in Germany flying back home because he had, he had to have surgery. He, was, he wasn't feeling good. 
And so it's very, it's very, it's very important, you know, for people to remember that these guys need experience. That they got to wait for their turn and they got to get used to it. I've been telling this whole time, and I know Shep and I talk, you know, a little bit more on Twitter, but we need to measure these guys how they do next year. This year, you know, they're, I, you know, I joke around last week. These these guys this year, they're learning how to be potty trained. Next year, <laughs> they better they better learn how to jump, roll on the floor, you know, shake their tail. They 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 need to be able to do all of these tricks, you know. But that's next year. This year, they still young puppies too, you know, learning how to do things. And so expectations, you know, because Eric is averaging a double double, and Eric is an animal, and he might go to the NBA. I mean, we gotta slow down. You know what I mean? Like you gotta, and that's the problem with people today, with millennials, and you know, you don't have the patience. You you don't you you don't want to learn to earn your stuff. You know what I mean? You just want now and fast, and you go on Twitter, and there's a thousand followers in two days. I mean, you know, it's you know, common sense isn't common anymore. So, Jonathan, then, what is your message then to the to the vocal minority of fans who right now are voicing their frustrations on many different levels? Man, this is like, seriously, this is like the Book of Mormon circle of things. I mean, when people get frustrated, they start acting up, and then uh, somebody comes and preaches them the right way, and then everything goes smooth for a while, and then they start complaining again. I mean, so I would tell them, go read the Book of Mormon, because they're just acting up right now. Because what happened after, I, I'll give you the football example. Lavelle left BYU. They brought, they brought Gary. Gary wasn't doing very well. They brought Bronco. Do you guys remember how excited everybody was when Bronco came in? Man, it was cool to choose the right. And then after a decade of Bronco, oh, man, all he talks about is church and fireside now. <laughs> and Kalani came, and then now he's throwing up, you know, the Hawaiian sign to rep the Y, and now it's cool again to be a BYU fan. I mean, doesn't that sound like the, you know, the, the, the circle of, of iniquity of the Lamanites? <laughs> you know, and so my thing is, yeah, just got to calm down. You know, about a year ago or so, I had a really heated argument with somebody saying that my four years at BYU weren't special. Well, I had the guy tweet at me the other day saying, you know, your four years were very special. I was wrong. People need to understand, like, the success that Coach Rose had in the beginning had all to do with experienced players, players at the right time, peaking at the right time. It, it takes a lot to win a championship. It takes a lot to finish in the top 25. It's not a given, you know. And so, let's, let's, you know what, let's ride out this year. Let's see what's going to happen. Let's see if these young core guys are going to just – you know, peak at the right time this year, maybe make a run at the end of the season or at a conference tournament. Let's see what happens in the postseason. But we cannot measure. We cannot say, oh, you know, we're going to throw Nick under the bus or we're going to throw Elijah under the bus. Man, KD's a bus. I mean, we can start doing that into next season when TJ, when Nick, and when Eric have already a year of playing together college basketball together. And then next year – Trust me, I'll be the first one to be over there criticizing. But I'll never criticize because I know how hard it is to make sure that that stuff happens. But I'll be the first one to say to these guys, hey, we got to go, fellas. This whole summer, I told, I told Eric, hey, just be strong. You know, we're going to need you, this and that. To Nick, I've been telling Nick, I've been telling, I love Jackson. He was the best man at my wedding. But I tell Nick, I was like, Nick is my favorite Emery. Nick, <laughs> when you cross half court, you put your hands up and be ready to shoot. And to TJ, I said, TJ, TJ at the end of the summer became a running joke. I said, TJ, what are you about to do now, buddy? He said, JT, I'm about to go get a sandwich because I got to put on some weight. <laughs> and so we can't expect these guys. We can't expect these guys to do great now. They're at BYU. They're not at Kentucky. And so 
you know, it's we got to take time. I mean, look at Frank Jackson at Duke. It ain't like Frank Jackson is going to be the, a lottery pick this year. So we got to wait. We got to have patience. So what would I tell people that say, oh, man, they're displeased with Coach Rose? Pick up your scriptures and read the Book of Mormon because you guys are acting up and you guys just need to take a chill pill. Jonathan Tavernari bringing the hot takes on <laughs> BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars have four games against non-St. Mary's Gonzaga teams until they take on the Zags for the first time. Where are you expecting BYU basketball to improve the most over the next four games before they take on the Zags? You know, I, you know, some, I don't know who, which of you knuckleheads said that the best offense is a good offense. The best offense is to make shots. It doesn't matter if it's a good shot or a bad shot. You just need to make shots. That is the best offense, period. And the way Coach Rose plays, Coach Rose has been coaching at BYU for over a decade now. He hasn't changed the way he plays or the way he coaches. You get stops and you run. You can't run when you go and get stops. So the best plays that we can improve, and, you know, once you hit rock bottom, is just going up, is on defense. And so there's nothing wrong with saying these guys are young and they're immature and they need more experience, when in reality all we need is just to let them take their course. So I think that, you know, and somebody also said, um, somebody also said on the radio, on Twitter, saying, you know, the turnover. I mean, that's important because throwing the ball away is a time that you don't get to score a point because you can't even throw the ball up in your hoop. And so just figuring out a way to get stops, doesn't matter if it's a charge or a rebound or a, or, or, or a steal, but getting the ball and figuring out a way to score. Because you know what? People will say, well, Nick takes bad shots. Well, TJ and, you know, worst shot selection. I mean, Tavenari, good grief. You know what? <laughs> it is a whole lot better to try to make a shot and throw the ball up for a shot than to, to get a turnover. Because if you turn over, that means the other team is probably going to get a, shot to sh- a chance to shoot that you didn't take. Jonathan, fantastic stuff, man. Uh, never disappointing. We wish you the best of luck with your playoff push in Italy uh, over the next few months. And uh, let's talk again soon. I appreciate it, man. I usually try to come in with you guys once a year or so forth, you know, during the season because I'm kind of like Christmas, you know. It's special and it only happens once a year. So. <laughs> hey, and for the record, it was Shep that said the best offense is a really good offense. I like me some offense, all right? I'm not going to <laughs> deny that I like a good offense. I've been trying to not. I've been trying to knock some sense into Mr. Jason for uh, about 10 years now. If it ain't happen now, it, don't, it won't happen again. So. JT, thanks, man. Yep, you guys welcome. Take care. Our thanks to Jonathan Tavernari on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Mr. Christmas himself. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. How, how great is Jonathan Tavernari? Let's see. What was brought up during that interview? Lamanite iniquity. Uh, potty training. Yes, and comparing himself to Christmas. <laughs> Just uh, typical walk in the park with uh, oh, JT for three. So good, man. <laughs> He never lacks for an opinion. You know when you talk with Jonathan Tavernari, you are going to get an opinion. Well, here's the thing. He makes some very valid points about why people just need to slow the roll. He said take a chill. Take a chill pill. I don't know if that phrase has been used since the 90s, (laughs) but take a chill pill. Anyway, you can uh, hear that again, and I know most of you are going to want to hear that again just for sheer entertainment value. It was great. Download the podcast. Our Twitter question today, where do you accept BYU basketball to improve the most before facing Gonzaga? At Ring Jeff. At winning. But in all seriousness, the defense has been frustrating. Got to figure it out. Two dribbles in and a kick out for an open three. Up next, women's basketball coach Jeff Judkins joins us to discuss the new West Coast Conference scheduling, why he's not a fan of it, and a bucket list dream comes true. 
BYU Sports Nation brought to you in part by Brady Industries. Clean solutions, a tradition for generations. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. We're also on demand anytime, anywhere. If you missed it, Jonathan Tavernari joined us. That's all I need to say. From Italy, his pleas to come visit are always there. You can't not miss radio and television if uh, you want to see JT back on BYU Sports Nation. You can uh, download the podcast, hear the complete interview if you want, uh, coming up a little bit later on. (laughs) Gymnastics hosts Utah State this Friday night at the Smith Fieldhouse. You can see it at 9 p.m. Eastern on BYU TV. This guy right here will have the call for you. Joining us in Studio B is the head basketball coach of BYU Women's Hoops, Jeff Judkins. It's jamming with Juddy on BYU Sports Nation. You told me on Saturday... Yeah. I miss you guys, yeah. man. What's up? How come I'm not on the show anymore? <laughs> well, we, you've been heard. You're, you're back. So welcome back, Coach. Well, it's nice to be here. I, I got to have that luck. You know, good luck you guys give me. <laughs> you want, you you want, want the, the karma. karma. Karma, man. Everybody says that to me, so I believe it. Okay, let's just go ahead and take care of that right now. Let's uh, give Jeff uh, Judkins the BYU Sports Nation <laughs> karma for Pepperdine right now. Has there ever been a pre-interview karma? Ooh, I don't know. Is that, is that the first time you've ever... When he comes with that yeah. type of passion, <laughs> yes, I'm we, not going to deny want, it. That's right. We want it. <laughs> We've, it's nice to be here, you guys. Six games in, you're one of four first-place teams, 10-7 and seven overall, 4-2 and two in the WCC. Why or why not do you like the parity in the conference at a point like this? <laughs> well, I think right now the way this thing has gone and the way the scheduling, like everybody's asked me, why – we're not. We don't have travel partners anymore. It's, it's home and away. It's just making it where it's just tougher. I think just to control things and, like, I talked to a couple of coaches and we all feel the same. We feel like we're on the road the whole time. We don't feel like there's any home time to recover. Maybe by doing that, it's made it a little, little more competitive, I guess, or maybe not as many teams dominating. I mean. Uh, we lost two games, which we were ahead in both those games, and we probably should have won. Just don't we just didn't make the right decisions, do the right things at the right time. What is what was the reason behind going to this new schedule structure? Because I've heard from a lot of uh, a lot of different coaches, and it doesn't seem like most people like the way it's at least starting out right now. Maybe it's just because it's new. But what was the reason for making the change? Well, the first biggest reason. When we they talked to the coaches, is we did not want to play games before Christmas. We felt like that um, preseason is for that purpose, and we didn't want to have the season start before Christmas with finals and all these things going on. As everybody knows, BYU and San Diego, I think they have the latest final time, and so it just kind of fouled it up. And so I think we looked at it as coaches that we'd rather play after. Um, in the past, we've always, we've always had, uh, we've played a lot of games early. Like we played like four out of seven, four games in seven days in that time. And we didn't want to do that either. We wanted to try to make it. And so by doing that, this is how they thought. My suggestion was, why don't we just do it like the Pac-12? And that is, you have your travel partners, but the one week, and we all do it the same week, you take your travel partners and you play Thursday, Saturday, or Wednesday, Saturday. So you play, for us, we would play, let's say, San Diego at home on Wednesday. And then Dave would play them on, on, the, on, on, you know, on, at, on the road. And then we'd swap it. And then we'd play those two games. But for some reason, that didn't fly. 
I think it will. It's the cost, the cost, missing school, um, parents not being able to go to a weekend trip and watch their kids, all those things. I think it's going to, I think we're going to have a lot of, a lot of complaints, which I think will be changed. Six games in, as I mentioned, four and two tomorrow at Pepperdine. And then what Dave called after you play a road game in Malibu, you travel to a home game because you have Friday and then you have a home game on Saturday. So uh, Pepperdine Thursday, Pacific on Saturday. What are you anticipating this week uh, in that traveling to a home game scenario? Well, Pepperdine, you know, beat Gonzaga first game of the year in Pepperdine. They're playing really well right now. They're three and three and um, playing with a lot of confidence. And they play a zone when it's hard. People have a hard time attacking it. So hopefully we we can we can do good against that. We've worked hard this week on it. And then we come back and, you know, we don't get back to Salt Lake until 1.30. Time we drive down here, it's 2.30. Time we get dressed and taped, it's 3.30. Time we go through the stuff, it's 4 o'clock. So I've kind of had to adjust, you know. Um, we don't have shoot-arounds on Saturday mornings much anymore like that because of the rest. I, I want my girls to get some rest. And so where Dave's a little bit different, Dave would probably catch a flight if he's playing Thursday night, he'd catch a flight Thursday night and get back one o'clock in the morning Friday where his kids can go to school and they can do we don't have that luxury the The men's team has struggled thus far with some of their conference road games. What is the most difficult part of playing in these West Coast conference gyms? Well, they're totally opposite of of what our gym is. I mean, it's, they're in, they're a smaller gym. Uh, um, both of us have, have used a practice facility a lot more for that reason. We go shoot in it at least once or twice a week if we're going to go there because it's kind of smaller and you, you don't understand the, the depth of things. Um, and so that part of it is, is there, but um, I don't know. It's just, it just seems like uh, our league is way more, you know, there's more equal, teams that have gotten better and we don't really have a three really weak teams anymore they're all competitive and if you're not ready to go you, you can get beat seems like they can all shoot it as well especially on their home floors everybody right? shoots the ball well at our gym i mean we played san diego saturday and they shot their team shoots 22 percent, i think from three-point line and they shot in the close to 40 i'm just going like <laughs> what is this you think it'd be the opposite but it's not um i have heard this i've heard a lot of i don't know how it is with with the men but for the for the women they come in and they see our facility and they just feel like it's like like you know a beautiful beautiful arena scoreboard and how it's all so it's kind of like a like going in going to heaven maybe you know like this is just what you've wanted to play in and Seem, people seem to move it up a notch that way. Interesting. Okay, well, here you you can rest some of your concerns on the play of Cassie, don't call me Kathy, oh. Broadhead. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> you know, she gets called that in Hawaii, and now I, now it's ringing in my head. Uh, you know, she, she brings it up to me every time. So, but yeah, but, you know, she's really playing well. And um, I just think she's worked so hard to get here, and I've kind of said this to a lot of people, she's kind of like in slow motion. Players have that sometimes. They get into a part of their season, and they just like everything they do is slow motion where, where it just kind of fits. 
you know, and uh, she's she's played with a lot of confidence. She's um, she's a tough she's a tough person to guard right now with what she's doing. And, and when she shoots the ball from the outside, she's even harder. So, um, but I'm happy with her whole game. It's not just offense. She's running the team. She's defending well. She's she's playing too many minutes. I've got to cut her minutes down. Um, but she just is doing everything for us. She just dropped 30 for a career high. Yeah. And if she, if you're going to call her Kathy and that's a good luck thing, then you're going to Yeah, I know. Hey, maybe, maybe that makes her magic plays better. Don't don't change anything. <laughs> you know, um, while you're in the middle of the season, though, you still have time uh, to do some really cool stuff for uh, specifically one of your former players. Yeah, you, you've got uh, Melanie Pearson played for you in 2002. She was a, a key part of the team yeah. that went to the Sweet 16. Now Melanie day um there's a great story with her that I'm, I'm glad a lot of people are starting to to find out more about uh she has been diagnosed with cancer and on her blog she decided to create her bucket list and number one on that list she wanted to see duke and yeah. north carolina play right. so you guys as a coaching staff along with the, the players as well as the men's coaching staff and the players uh got together and donated some money and then you presented uh, this gift to her. We actually were fortunate enough to have the video of it. So I want you to watch this, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. So what what we did is uh, with Ashley's help, we wrote a letter to Coach Zeski, and we kind of explained the situation with Mel and what's going on in her life. And I got a response from the secretary. She called me up and said, Coach, this is so-and-so. I'm Coach Zeski's secretary. I read your letter, and we cried very touching letter and she said no problem whatsoever we will do this for her coach take us through this story and why it was so important for you guys to be able to do this for her well first of all um knowing mel and what she's what she's done in her life the kind of person she is there's not a young lady that's more dedicated to what she's trying to do in life than she is, and people don't realize she was a great player. If she would have been here for all four years, she probably would have been one of the top players ever at BYU. I mean, she could do it all. Um, but for us, you know, it was it was a great opportunity for my players to do something for somebody who needs help at this time. And so what happens, you know, we wrote a letter. I had one of my assistant coaches, Ashley Garfield, help me put up a letter that we wrote to Duke, to Coach Chesky, and also to the women's coach, and there, and we uh, asked them, kind of explain her, her situation, and ask if we could get two tickets. And then about a week later, I get a phone call from the secretary of, of Mike Chesky and says, "Hey, we read your letter. We will do this for you. We're excited to do this for you." And, wow. And that, and so. I went back to Dave and said, Dave, this this is going to happen. And he wanted to be involved, him and his team, which I think is a class act. I mean, you know, just to be involved with the whole process. And so his players, they raised money. They, they all paid. And my players, we paid. And that money went in to pay for her trip, pay for her flight, pay for expenses. And then, um, and then we, as a coaching staff, we're taking care of her hotel room and all. So it's a three-day trip for her. She's going to go and see Duke, look around, uh, be on campus, and go to these games and do all this stuff. And so it's kind of a joint thing. 
and everybody in BYU basketball was a part of it, and uh, we're just excited that, that she could go. I wish, I wish I could go and enjoy it with her, <laughs> but you know I've been there. I've you know we've played there before, and so it's it's a it's a great atmosphere, and I'm I'm really happy for Mel that way, and um, she deserves it. You know we all have bucket list, and hopefully she can get a lot of her her done. But what a great she has a great attitude towards it, you know, and so she'll have a, she'll have a great time. Fantastic stuff. We appreciate the time and the insight into that story, Coach. Always a pleasure to have you in Studio yeah. B. Let's do this more often, okay? Yeah, let's do it so I can get karma, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank you, really. We appreciate it, and thanks for all the support of this mail thing. I didn't realize how really touching this has been for, for everybody. Thanks to Jeff Judkins for joining us in Studio B. Our Twitter question today, where do you expect BYU basketball to improve the most before facing Gonzaga? Four games left at Black Goose 13 says, whoever we play, someone off the bench always has a career game against the Cougs, it seems like. Need better defense. Uh, at Jelly Belly Kelly, maybe my favorite Twitter handle of all time. Mm. Uh, shot selection and decreasing turnovers, especially on the road. Also going full throttle the whole game. If you missed... The numbers I gave you about BYU winning the rest of the games they'll be favored in and getting one win against St. Mary's. Two losses to Gonzaga. Yeah. One win over St. Mary's. Download the podcast. The RPI skyrockets. You don't even want to know if they get two. Oh, there's <laughs> one. Just, Just one. one against St. Mary's. Up next, are Jonathan Tavernari's analogies of BYU fans a big deal or no deal? Well, let's know what we think when we play Big Deal, No Deal next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Watch our daily rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern, including... An emotional interview with Jeff Judkins about making one of his former players' bucket list dream come true, which, by the way, that story is still developing, and we're all over it. That's right. Uh, that game that, uh, that Melanie will be going to is on February 9th, and we will, uh, we will, we're going to be chronicling that. So we will, as you mentioned, certainly have more on that coming up in the coming weeks. Speaking of women's hoops, they will be hosting Pacific on Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern time. You can see that game on BYU TV and listen on BYU Radio. Our Twitter question about men's basketball today. Where do you expect the Cougars to improve the most before facing Gonzaga? Four games before the Zags come to Provo. At Mike Z Just Me says, I want the shooters to stop trying to make their own shot. When they catch and shoot, the percentage goes up. That's what the BYU coaches have been pleading with this team to do, and that is inside out. Okay, work through Eric Meek. And if he's getting double teamed, there's a good chance you're going to get your feet set for a shot when that pass is coming from the post, whether it be from Eric Meek or Yoli Childs. Uh, at Mr. Underscore Flintstone 94 says the obvious answers are turnovers and defense. But I think maturity is the key to both of those. Where have turnovers and defense been the biggest issue? On the, On the road. road. Yep. Clean up the road play. Things will get better. Time now that we play big deal, no deal. Big deal. Brought to you by Brady Industries, a provider of commercial cleaning supplies and equipment throughout the western United States for over 65 years. Brady Industries Clean Solutions, a tradition for generations. Number one. Big deal, no deal. BYU's BPI, Ken Palm, and Sagarin Ratings. I say this is absolutely a big deal because they're all in the 60s. Even after losses to Utah Valley 
and San Diego, BYU is still within striking distance to earn, yes, earn their way into at-large consideration. People are calling me crazy, but it's in the numbers. It's not just like, oh, Spencer, blue goggles, no. Nah. It's in the numbers. If they beat St. Mary's at home and lose to Gonzaga twice, they will have an RPI of 38. So it's a big deal that they're in this range right now. BPI 62, Ken Palm 69, Sagarin 67. Yes, it's a big deal because it paints a different picture than what is out there right now. The sky is falling, Jason. Look, look. Nobody's saying that the UVU loss was positive. Everybody knows. The coaches know. The players know. It was a bad loss. Losing to San Diego was not good. But these numbers put it in perspective that BYU is not far off. And if they can continue to win the games that they should win, and who knows what can happen against St. Zaga, BYU still can put themselves in a very good position. Big deal. Mm, Number two. Big deal, no deal. BYU's defense allowing opponents to shoot 15% better on the road? This is a big deal because of everything we discussed early in the show. On the road, you have to find a way to get a few more stops to make that shooting percentage come down just a little bit, and then you start to win these games at San Diego and at St. Mary's because you are holding opponents down to a a reasonable percentage. I mean, when they're shooting 50%, you're not going to win on the road. No. You won't win those games. No. I mean, it's a big deal because it's what's keeping BYU from winning these games. And it's not just the fact that the opposition is shooting better in their home gym. It's BYU shooting worse. And they're turning the ball over. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, of course it's a big deal because it's what's leading to BYU not being as successful as we know they can be. Number three. Big deal, no deal. Jonathan Tavanari's analogies. BYU fans, Lamb and I circle of iniquity, and BYU players, puppies needing potty train? <laughs> I'm going to let you go first uh, on that. I don't even know how I'm supposed to react to this. Yeah. I will yeah. say, <laughs> uh, for the purposes, I, I guess I will say no deal. <laughs> because, it, I mean, it's an opinion. It's a funny opinion. Yeah. It's a great opinion. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Be behind the the funny analogies, what he's saying is true. Mm. The analogy is just you know a little more colorful, but but yeah, I, I guess ultimately I will say no deal just for basing it on the analogies alone. Okay, but I love it. I love the analogies. I'm going to say big deal because he does make valid points, as obscure as some of these <laughs> thoughts are, and just off the wall, he makes valid points. BYU is a young team. They need to learn how to play together at the Division I level. But they played a million games together in high school, Spencer. It's different at the Division I level. And Jonathan Tavernari, in his own unique way, made some good points. Big deal. <laughs> Number four. Hit it! Countdown to the Vikings. 220. Oh, yeah. I am numb. I cannot have both you and Jerem anti-count we need numb. a good cop bad cop i have no feeling you in both my body. cannot be bad cop on the countdown i have zero feeling and emotion flowing hey, through my body here's right the deal now. byu football has their own countdown to the vikings they have it it's good enough for us too i am a robot i have no feeling <laughs> <laughs> hopefully the cougar whip around can bring some life back to me in studio b 
B to the Y to the U Sports Nation, presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Men's hoops will host Pepperdine tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. We'll get an opportunity to hear from players and coaches today with media availability. If you're curious, BYU currently 62nd in ESPN's BPI and 69th in the Ken Palm ratings. Volleyball. Number three, BYU travels to number 14, CSUN, to open conference play. Excuse me, federation play. <laughs> Matches begin tomorrow and Friday. BYU has won the past 11 meetings against CSUN. Women's basketball. Women's hoops heads to Malibu to face Pepperdine tomorrow night at 10 Eastern time. Coach Jeff Judkins joined the show earlier and said he likes the way his team is playing and hopes they can take it on the road with them. Gymnastics. BYU gymnast Shannon Hortman earned Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference Gymnast of the Week for a second consecutive week. A freshman recorded a conference best 985 on vault against fifth rank Utah. Future guests. Holy Yoli Manchilds and President Coach Steve Cleveland. He was so good on Monday, we had to bring him back for more this There's week, nothing right? wrong with having multiple days of President Coach Steve Cleveland. I'm interested to get his take on the numbers that are in favor of BYU in terms of RPI and the opportunities that still await the Cougars with big games ahead. Arise and shout. Well, Jason, who should we give it to? How about the one and only JT for three, Jonathan Tavernari? Yeah, yep. Yeah, I mean, potty training, the Lamanite circle of iniquity, and advice to impatient BYU fans to read the Book of Mormon and reassociate yourself with the pride cycle. <laughs> it's just good life advice, really, if you think about it. This tweet in from at McMinn5. I happen to like the countdown, but no big deal other than the fact I approve your paycheck. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Hey, the countdown's awesome, right? Hey, you know what? It's not too bad when the boss is on my side. Our elite tweet of the day at CL underscore living. Improved defense effort, or it's going once, going twice, and three. Gone zags again. Hey, just beat St. Mary's. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Melanie Pearson Day. We're back tomorrow at noon Eastern. Later.